You're listening to the Witch in the Woods podcast, Season 1, Episode 8, Slugs and Snails. I think we'll have visitors today. Is that so? Yes. They're gathering at the edge of the path now. You can feel them from that far away. Yes. Are you sure you want to put your queen there? I'm sure. You just worry about your own moves over there. As you wish. That's encouraging that you can tell where they are. That means your power is growing. Yes, I can feel myself getting stronger each day. It's helping that the children are coming more frequently. Yes, and they must be telling others our stories. I can feel the belief spreading. It would go faster if we could tell them everything. Naomi seems to be intent on figuring it out regardless. I've got your rook. (laughs) Blast. Yes, I know. That's why I pulled her aside last time. I told her it wouldn't bode well for her to continue to dig. What was her response to that? She agreed, out loud. But her mind told me differently. It won't be long before she's on to us. Let's just wait and see. (laughs) Hand over your night. It's going to be close, I can tell. We must be ready to leave at a moment's notice. Let's not tell Grimalkin that. With any luck, she'll be out roaming the woods when the house disappears. Stop. You know we need her. It pains me to admit it. Ha! Check! Check, Mamichka. Can you hear me? Odvratit Jarak. Odvratit Jarak. Mamichka? Odvratit Jarak. What do you mean, look away? Odvratit Jarak. Grimalkin, come here. Okay, Barnaby. Let's go over it one more time. The little ones are called pawns, and they can only move one space. No, it's Mamichka. Something is happening. Mamichka. Oh no, they found her. What? Put one paw on top of mine and the other on her hand, quickly. What's going on? Just do what I say. Concentrate on being invisible. Think of our shack blending into the woods. Erase the details in your mind and let it melt into the trees. Focus. Okay. Repeat her words. What was that? Are you okay, Mamichka? Was it them, Mamichka? Have they found us? No, they haven't. They were trying. It wasn't them. They must have a lesser being scanning for us. Probably that snake Tiberian. (laughs) I could take him with one arm tied behind my back. Not in your weakened state, you can't. It took the three of us together to simply throw him off our trail. How did they find us now, after all this time? My power is growing. That must mean that my signal is growing, too. As I gain more strength, it will be like a beacon calling to them. But what do we do? 
We're not ready to take them on yet. We must use a shield spell. I was hoping we wouldn't need it, as it will drain some of my precious energy, but we can't risk having them find us. Grimalkin, do you remember what to do? Yes, Mamichka. Do we have enough salt? Check the basement. Oh, the children! They're here! They can help us. What? Yes, just follow my lead. I must prepare the activator. Go, Mamichka. When we return, it will be safe to cast the spell. I'm afraid I'll need your help, Gormalkin. I know, Mamichka. I'm ready. Go. Children! Just in time to help us with a pesky garden chore. Oh, what? We have to do work? Just a little. Boz, could you please go with Grimalkin to the basement? You too, Naomi. <sighs> Olivia and Ari, you can help me get started outside. Come on, let's see if you can lift more than I can. Jeez, I hope I'm stronger than a cat. Oh, I'm very muscular. Just you wait and see. Come along, Olivia and Ari. I need your help gathering some tools. What kind of garden problem are you having, Barnaby? Snails and slugs. Each night, a whole army comes slithering in from the woods and starts chomping away on our greens. We've got to deter them. How will we do that? Salt. It dries up their trails so they forget how to get back. Grab that wheelbarrow, will you? And those shovels. How much salt are you planning to use? A lot. got to be like 30 pounds each. Why do you need this much salt? Slugs and snails. Slugs and snails? Jeez, is every slug and snail in the world coming to visit? (laughs) It feels like it, the way they've been chowing down on our precious garden. That's all we've got, so let's be careful how we spread it. Now, children, if you would be so kind, please empty the bags of salt into the wheelbarrow and follow me. We need to make a circle around the entire house. Not too thick, but thick enough to make sure that nothing can cross it. Nothing like snails and slugs, you mean? Right. Yes, exactly. Why do we need to make a circle around the whole house? Why not just the garden? Because Mamichka has plants all over. Herbs and such. This will keep them out of everything. Won't it also keep them in? The slugs and snails that are already in your garden? Actually, I spent all day hunting them down and tossing them into the woods. There isn't a slimy creature left in a 20-foot radius, but we need to act quickly before they return. Yes, hurry along, please. If I wanted to do chores, I would have just stayed at home. Why don't we tell you a story while you work? Grimalkin, does one come to mind? Well, the dust from the salt does remind me of a tale. One summer, a group of cowboys were moving a herd of cattle across the Arizona desert, searching for grazing grounds. They had taken the same trip many times, driving hundreds of cattle over the years, but this year had been especially dry, and the watering holes and grass the cows had enjoyed in years past were few and far between. One night, as the group huddled around a campfire, they wondered if they should try a different direction. If we don't get these cows and horses a good bit of grass soon, they're not going to make it. The little bit they've been able to get along the way just ain't going to be enough. Yeah, maybe a couple of us should ride ahead a little and see what we can see. 
it was decided that Wyatt and Everett would go, and they left at dawn with a day's supply of water and food to hold them over. They rode for hours, with little giving them hope as they rode past more and more desolation. Hey, you see that up there, Wyatt? Yeah, what is that? Ah, looks like something, but I can't tell what. Yeah, I can't tell either. Hey, let's head towards it and see. They were hoping for a desert oasis, but it was already too late when they realized they were heading directly into the biggest sandstorm either of them had ever seen. Turn back! We can outrun it! No, we can't! The horses won't make it after riding all day! Let's find a place and hole up! We passed a few rocks clumped together a little bit ago. Let's head for that! The cowboys raced to the clump of rocks, quickly slipping off their horses and wedging themselves in between the rocks for shelter. As soon as the sand started whipping around them, the horses took off, whinnying in panic. Oh no! The horses! Leave them! Wyatt and Everett pulled their hats down over their heads to protect their faces as the sand whipped harder and harder. The storm kept raging around them, and as the hours went on, it got hotter and hotter, and the cowboys got more and more dehydrated. The horses had run off with their supplies, and the only water they had was Wyatt's small canteen that was already half empty. They passed it back and forth as the storm raged on, still opening it and searching for drops of liquid with their tongues long after it was empty. How long can this go on? I don't know, but I hope it eases up soon. The men watched as the world disappeared around them, the vegetation and rocks slowly being devoured by the sand. Wyatt looked down to see his own legs had disappeared, and he struggled to use his remaining strength to pull them out. Everett, hey, pull your legs out. Wyatt tried to warn Everett, but his lips were so swollen and his throat was so dry that his voice was but a whisper. Just when he thought he might pass out, Wyatt felt something shift. Although the storm had raged around them, all sound ceased. As he looked around him with squinted, bleary eyes, He saw something moving in the storm. It was a rider. A man on a horse was riding right through the sandstorm to them. Everett! Look! As Wyatt watched, more riders appeared. Eleven riders followed the first, all dressed in white. Their white shirts, hats, and boots stayed bright despite the sand that whipped around them and their stirrups and belt buckles sparkled with gold. They were leading a white horse behind them, one without a rider. As Wyatt watched, two of them dismounted and gently lifted Everett out of the sand. They laid the unconscious cowboy across the riderless horse, then mounted each of their own as the group turned to trot away. (gasps) Wait. Wyatt watched helplessly, with shaking fingers raised, as the group rode away from him, each vanishing into the storm. Right before the last rider was out of sight, he turned and looked directly at Wyatt and said, It's not your time yet. We'll be back for you soon. Wyatt collapsed, finally giving in as he watched them disappear. 
The next thing he knew, someone was shaking him awake. Hey, Wyatt! Come on, drink this! Wyatt looked up to see two of his fellow cowboys, one holding his head up while the other poured fresh, clean water into his mouth. You're lucky to be alive, Wyatt. It's a good thing your horses knew the way back. Where's Everett? Wyatt tried to ask after his friend, hoping that they had run into the mysterious white riders that had taken him away. I'm sorry, Wyatt. I'm sorry. His friends gestured toward his side, and Wyatt gasped when he realized that Everett's body was still beside him, dead and mostly buried in the sand that had poured onto them for hours. But... Wyatt tried to croak out the story, but stopped short when he realized what had happened. The white riders he had seen were death itself, come to collect the soul of his friend. He was suddenly grateful that they hadn't given in to his pleas to take him with them. But his heart dropped into his stomach once again when he realized what the rider had told him. It's not your time yet. We'll be back for you. Soon. What do you think they meant by that? Wait, do you think that means he'll die soon? Or that he would have died soon if his friends hadn't found him? What do you think? Either way, I bet he spent the rest of his life wondering what they meant. I'm sure you're right about that. Well, children, it looks as if that story kept us entertained all the way through our chore. What do you think, Grimalkin? That'll do. Why don't we head inside for refreshments? I could make you some lemonade as a thank you. And I brought you something I think you'll really like, Grimalkin. I mean... I think it's kind of gross, but it was on your list, so... Lovely. I'm sure it will be very tasty. Let me go and wake Mamichka from her nap. I'll be back shortly. Make yourselves at home, children. I'll go and make us those refreshments. Anyone else getting some real weird vibes right now? Yeah, Grimalkin usually can't wait to eat her food. And what was up with that salt? That was a lot of salt. Isn't salt used to protect against spirits? I think I saw that in a movie once. It made me think of it. The way they put a circle around the house. Spirits? Like ghosts? Yeah, but maybe it works with other things, too. Other things like what? You're scaring me, Naomi. Like vampires and werewolves and stuff. They're probably heading here right now. Stop scaring her, Boz. This could be serious. What would a witch need protection against? The way they tell stories, they don't seem to be scared of anything. Maybe... other witches? Here we are, children. Oh, let me help you with that cart, Barnaby. Thank you, Olivia. This looks great, thank you. There's also my famous scones and blackberry jam. I picked the blackberries myself. Thanks, Barnaby. It looks... What was that? What happened to the lights? Oh, it's... it's an old place. The lighting is... wonky. See? There we are. I'm afraid Mamichka is too tired to join us today. Ooh, scones. Grimalkin, what happened to your fur? What do you mean? I mean, it changed color. Oh, that. Yes, well, sometimes a lady doesn't feel like applying her makeup. One shouldn't make fun. 
I'm sorry, I didn't mean to- Grimalkin is teasing you, Olivia. Her fur went grey long ago, but it only shows when we're feeling especially tired or hungry. Grimalkin is always eating, so it's rare to see her true state. Yes, well, I may be vain, but we cats are expected to keep up our appearances. Speaking of eating... Oh yes, so I felt really weird buying this, but I got you liver! It's raw because I didn't know how to cook it, but... Oh. Whoa, she's really going for it. She's eating faster than Rosa. Cool! Look at all that blood! Mm, that was just exactly what I needed today. Thank you, Olivia. Oh, your fur changed back. See? She just needed to eat. All that slug hunting she did earlier must have worn her out. Mm, yes, it did. Now, pet me and tell me I'm pretty. Oh, uh, I'm sorry, Barnaby. I got distracted watching Grimalkin, but we have sandwiches for you, too. That's all right. I'm not especially hungry right now, but I'm sure I'll enjoy them later. Why don't I tell you a story while you enjoy your snacks? Mm, don't mind me. I think I'll just take a nap. I'm reminded of another local tale. This one takes place along the French Broad River. It was shaping up to be a gorgeous summer weekend, and Mark felt himself being called to the mountains. He decided to pack up his camping gear and head for the woods, eager to have some quiet time in nature. When he arrived at the parking lot for his favorite trail, he found it overflowing with hikers and campers who seemed to have had the same idea. Wanting his own space, he decided to hike along the river instead. He felt himself relax and unwind as the sounds of humans gave way to the babbling water beside him. He smiled, whistling as he made his way through the woods. Before long, he found the perfect place to camp, right beside the river. He marveled at his luck, noticing that the area didn't even seem to have bugs to annoy him as he set up his tent. That night, he fell asleep, listening to the river beside him, completely exhausted after a day of hiking. Sleep would not come easy for him, however, for as soon as he drifted off, he began to dream of a woman. He couldn't see her clearly, but he could hear her. She was singing beautifully, her dark hair swinging back and forth as she sang. tried to get closer to her, but no matter how far he ran, she always seemed to be the same distance away. He spent the entire night chasing her in his dreams, wanting nothing more than to see her face, but never quite getting close enough. The sounds of the river and singing echoed through his head all night, only giving way when he awoke, groggy in his sleeping bag. He had slept so fitfully, he felt even more exhausted than before going to sleep, and his legs were so sore, it felt like he really had been chasing something all night. He had a quick breakfast, then packed up his tent, determined to shake off his dream and once again soak up the quiet peace he had been seeking in the woods. The exhaustion didn't leave him as he walked, his legs aching with every step, and before long he decided to stop again and set up camp. 
He spent the afternoon trying to catch a fish for his dinner, but he kept drifting off, waking only to realize he had missed another bite at his bait. He gave up and ate a few granola bars, then crawled into his sleeping bag early. He almost cried with joy as he drifted off, excited to finally get some good rest. Once again, however, rest would be elusive. As soon as he closed his eyes, the voice filled his head. He once again followed the voice, even though his legs were so tired, even in his dream that they felt like blocks of concrete he had to drag around. He couldn't see the woman this time, and he ran through the misty fog, frantically searching for her as her voice echoed all around him. After what felt like hours, he awoke, startled to find himself curled up in his sleeping bag and safe in his tent. He sighed heavily and looked out into the dark night, wondering if he would manage to get any rest at all. He was almost asleep when he realized that he could still hear the singing. He wondered if he was dreaming again, but a quick pinch on his leg let him know that he was awake. He snuck out of his tent, squinting at the river in the moonlight as he tried to determine where the singing was coming from. He followed it, barefoot but not noticing when the rocks he scrambled over pierced his skin. He felt desperate, like he simply must find this woman. He could think of nothing else as the singing filled his head, even the river becoming but a whisper in the background. The singing was getting louder and louder, verging on painful as it pulsed through his head. He was running now, and as he rounded a bend in the river, suddenly, there she was. She was gorgeous, her long, dark hair pouring over her body and flowing into the river at her waist. She smiled at him, still singing as she held out her hand. Unable to resist her, he reached out to take it. He expected to feel smooth, soft skin, but to his surprise and horror, he instead felt rough, slimy scales. Before he could even make a sound, her face changed from gorgeous to monstrous, and her singing became a piercing screech in his head. She dug her nails into his arm and quickly pulled him into the water, never to be seen or heard from again. scared. A little? Oh, I felt like a tube of toothpaste. Why would he look for a woman singing in the woods in the middle of the night? He couldn't resist. You're one to talk. You realize you sought out a woman in the woods as well. Fair enough. The woman is what is known as a siren. Sirens first appeared in Greek mythology as half-woman, half-bird, but they eventually became more like mermaids in the tales that were told because they would taunt sailors. Their singing was so beautiful that anyone sailing a ship near their island would purposefully steer their craft toward it, obliterating the boat on the rocks of the island and killing everyone on board. Why? Do sirens eat people? 
You know, that's a good question. Because to my knowledge, they don't eat- Wait, so you're saying the creepy thing in that story was a mermaid? Just mermaid-like. Probably more fish-like than anything. But I love mermaids. I used to have a mermaid bedroom, and I had a mermaid-themed birthday party for three years in a row. I thought they were pretty and nice. I think we've broken the girl. There are lots of legends about mermaids that are lovely. This story was about a siren, completely different. There's nothing wrong with liking mermaids. I've met a few mermaids in my time. They're a little, um, how should I put this? Ditzy? But very nice. Of course, if you think I'm vain. You've met real mermaids? Sure. As you know, I am quite the fish connoisseur. In my quest to taste all the fish of the world, I would often come across these creatures. I've spent many happy days napping in the sun as they gossiped around me, fussing over me and feeding me their special seaweed crackers. Doesn't sound great, but I promise they are to die for. Wait, aren't mermaids kind of like a fish? If you were trying to taste every kind of fish in the world... Wouldn't you also want to eat a mermaid? Well, I've never thought about it. I... Oh, no. I think you're right. What have I done? I had them in my grasp and I let them dress me up? All for those blasted seaweed crackers? Uh Uh-oh. Now I think we broke her mulkin. They're so big! I could have feasted on them for months! Grimalkin, you wouldn't actually eat a mermaid, would you? I would eat anything. Okay, okay, I think Grimalkin really does need a nap. It's time for you to go. I'll leave your sandwiches on the cart, Barnaby. I had my mom make her falafel this time. Everyone goes crazy for it. Sounds delicious. I'm imagining they taste light, like tilapia, accented with hints of flowers and just the right amount of salt. Salty, fishy flowers. Yum. It sounds incredible. See you next time. Bye. Goodbye, children. I probably will be emotionally scarred with mermaids for my entire life. And I totally won't have nightmares after this. You know, it's fine. Nothing. Maybe they don't taste fishy at all. I bet they taste like funfetti cake and champagne. I was afraid we might not get through that visit, and... Wait, Grimalkin, the barrier, can the children get out? They'll have no problem getting out. Sheesh, don't you know how protective shield spells work? Just checking. What about getting back in when they come to visit? Mamichka will have to let them in, but they shouldn't be any the wiser. Good. How is she? She's fine. Tired, but nothing a good nap won't cure. It was a lucky day to have the children in the house. Yes, they were very helpful spreading the salt as well. Do you think they bought our story about the slugs? Of course, children are dumb. They don't know anything about the powers of salt in the supernatural world. I wouldn't underestimate them, Grimalkin. Mamichka is worried that they may be onto us. Naomi in particular. We must find a way to move a little quicker in our plans, Barnaby. You saw what casting the shield spell took out of me. Yes. I won't be able to hold it forever. I know. Maybe next time the children come, I mean, it's always worked for- No, it won't come to that. That sort of behavior, 
It only makes her one of them. It might be the only way. The children trust us. It would be easy. Stop. No harm shall come to the children. I know it's hard to think about, Barnaby. I admit, I'm beginning to like them as well, and not just because they bring me food. Grimalkin... But to save all of the children of the world? To sacrifice a few for many, it might have to be done. I won't do it. Fine. Then if the time comes, I'll be the one to carry it out. Thank you for listening to the Witch in the Woods podcast. Please rate, review, and subscribe, and follow us on social media at the Witch in the Woods pod. And don't forget, you can send me fan mail at grimalkinthegreat at gmail.com. That's G-R-I-M-A-L-K-I-N, the great, at gmail.com. The Witch in the Woods podcast is a zombie burrito production and was created, written, and executive produced by Becky McLaughlin. Season 1 was directed by Michael Ackerman and stars Maddox Butler, Riley Meehan, Kryn McLaughlin, Astoria McLaughlin, Becky McLaughlin, John Furr, Caitlin Stafford, and Emily Emerson. White Riders was directed by Caleb Cabanis and features the voice talents of Matt Crawford as Wyatt, Ben Hill as Everett, and Caleb Cabanis as the White Rider and Cowboy. Edited by Becky McLaughlin with sounds from Zapsplat.com. The French Broad Siren was directed by Laura Iani and features original music by Claire Walton and Zach Messick of Bug Street. Check them out at bugstreet.bandcamp.com. Thank you for listening, and a huge thank you to our Patreon subscribers, Billy and Lynn Hill, Rob Taylor, Sarah Bowers, Kristen Machado, and Amanda Wills. We are so grateful for your support. Until next time. Thank you.